And now here we are again in the same sort of in the same sort of element where he's struggling again. He's lost his starting job. I don't see him getting back. I just wonder if this might be the end of Jonathan Jennings in BC. Welcome to The Waggle, everybody. That's Davis Sanchez. I'm James Sabalski. And don't forget that The Waggle is brought to you by Sport Clips. You know, the place that makes young Chessie look so fresh for the TSN panel. What? What happened there, Chessie? I don't know about the uh, fresh part, James, but uh, it was it was good. It was uh, my, my first regular season visit with the, with the guys over there, and uh, I'll be a part of those on and off for, for the rest of the year. So it was, it was good. It was nice to get up there and, and talk football with the guys. Some, the cool thing is for, for me, something I've been watching since I was a kid and, and my family, you know, don't want to sound too hokey, but, you know, we grew up on Friday night football and, and we, it, was a, it was a thing in our household. So, you know, I, I grew up watching it and my, my, family, my family did. And so, you know, I never thought or it wasn't a plan of mine to, to, to go into media or to, to go into broadcasting and be involved in that. But it... Things played out that way, and it was pretty cool for me and feel pretty fortunate to uh, this whole ride that's uh, been on being a part of the CFL has been cool, and, and to get uh, to be a part of the panel now is uh, extra cool because, like I said, it's something that, you know, I grew up I grew up on. So hopefully I can bring some fun and, and uh, some insight to the viewers and, and add to an already talented group of dudes, and, and, and uh, it was fun. Well, I just think on so many levels, it speaks to the lack of depth and talent in the Canadian broadcast industry, though, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, buddy. I was so happy to see you out there, man. You got to have a good suit game, though, with that crew. Like, that's a that's a sharp-dressed panel out there. Yeah, that's that's a prerequisite, no doubt about it. You got to be uh, you got to be sharp. You got to be fresh. So. Uh... I don't. Another reason why I don't know how I got on, but uh, it is what it is. Right? I was I was watching uh, I was watching from Whistler, up in the mountains at the uh, wonderful ski resort uh, for the uh, like the one percent. <laughs> I I wasn't paying thankfully, but having dinner the uh, the one night and watching you and just kind of shouting out, "Hey, there's Jazzy!" and the kids turning around. My two daughters like, "Hey, there's Davis!" and so everybody had a lot of props for you. It was good to see you and, uh, and fitting in well, fitting in and finding a way to get uh, get words in edgewise with a lot of guys who, uh, who've who never been shy of microphones, uh, whether it be Stiegel or Dunnigan. Smiling Hank, I see you too. I see you too. I think we got to get Hank back on here at some point just to argue again because I feel like he hasn't had a chance to argue with anybody in a while, Chess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Hank is a, a friend of friend of the friend of the show. No doubt, no yeah. doubt about it. But uh, yeah, buddy, it's, uh, all good all you. is good. All is good. Thanks, bro. So to make a long story short, people, if you want to style on profile and look as good as Davis, you got to go find the nearest sport clips nearest you. You get your hot steam towels, massaging shampoos, loads of sports on TV, and you can go get it all done. And if you like free just as much as this guy right here then all you got to do is go to cfl.ca slash waggle and you can redeem your own free, that's right, free coupon to get your own MVP haircut experience. Sport Clips, find the nearest one closest to you at sportclips.ca. So here we go. Um, Travis Lule is back uh, with the BC Lions and he is back on the field. Kind of a remarkable story, Ches, because I think a lot of people last year when he suffered his knee injury, I think a lot of people thought, you know, this might be the end of the line for Travis. I mean, another significant injury, um, knocking him out last September. But, you know, the Lions 1-2 and two going into last weekend's action. And they waited right up until the 11th hour before they finally made it public that Travis Lule was going to be the starter. And, you know what, I'm not going to say it was all Travis who got the job done on there. But, you know what, it was a nice feel-good story in the CFL for a guy who was once one of the best players in the CFL. And... Dare I say, still one really good quarterback when healthy. It's just been a big if when healthy for your former teammate. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's one. Of, he's one of those guys, Travis is that I think everybody cheers for and pulls for. He's uh, you know, he's, he's genuine too. You know, I've, I've been around him, and like I say, like you said, he's a teammate of mine. So I, I can tell you that uh, everything that he's doing, and when you when you watch him or see him, is genuine. He's a He's uh, as good as a, of a teammate as I've had, and, and it was nice personally to see 
him have success after the uh, you know unfortunate uh, bit of luck he's had. I think you know most most fans, regardless of what team you're a fan for, you know, a fan of, it's nice to see Trav have success. And and, and another you know on another note, uh, nice to, nice to see BC get a win because it was you know things are obviously getting testy testy over there. Anytime you struggle the way they've struggled so far, and you know it's nice to see that fan base get a you know, a W for that fan base. And, and uh, it was just, it was good. And I, and I will say Winnipeg, um, I think not, I don't think Winnipeg gave that game away. They definitely um, had agreed. plenty, I totally plenty agree. opportunities to seal that game and lock that game down. And that will, that will kick their butt. That one, that one, you know what that game reminded me of James actually. And I remember having this exact conversation it's in, in, in our hotel room and actually in my room, you came down and, Next morning, and I, I don't know if we were having um, some samosas or what after. Not samosas. That, not, what are those drinks called? With <laughs> I like that, samosas. Yeah, I like samosas oh, you know, too with no, rice you know and what? peas you and could, chicken. You know, and... you know what? I think eating samosas sounds way better than two dudes. <laughs> One guy heading over to a hotel room and drinking mimosas. That you yeah, might be mimosas. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but, you we know. blended We blended our samosas. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, drinking... Drinking mimosas in the morning after Grey Cup, and 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 thinking about Calgary, and the fact that they, you know, for the most part, dominated the game, and just didn't put Toronto away, and that's how that's how this game felt. I, like you said, I I did this game. I was in studio at the panel doing this game, and you know, kind of the whole story, the whole game was, you know, you know, talking about, you know, wow, Winnipeg looked good in the first half, and try, Andrew Andrew Harris, of course, and and all of a sudden, you know, kind of. You know, three times they went for it. Twice on third and third and a yard, where uh, where where Winnipeg went for it and got stuffed. And that, I mean, you given they could have got three out of those out of those twice, and and that would have you know potentially sealed the game. And both times, or even converted those and sealed the game. And both times got stuffed. I mean, it's uh, they just they let let BC hang around like Calgary let Toronto hang around. And when you let teams hang around, it, it all it. it it never fails. When you let them hang around, they always seem to pull it out at the end, and that's uh, that's what happened. I know that flight home for Winnipeg, it's, all losses aren't equal. Uh, people like to say, oh, a loss is a loss, or a win's a win. Nah, 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 nah. That one, that one hurts big time, you know, especially it, end of the season. We'll see what happens. Yeah, you know what? Uh, it's funny you say that because I had a chance to talk to Travis Lule on Monday, and he had kind of remarked that, Come the fourth quarter, they were down 17-7, and he had said to himself internally, like, you know what? These guys have let us linger too long. Like, we got to, you know, yeah. we can do this. And I think we got, we're going to, we got, we feel that. And, you know, when you give a, a team, like, hey, say what you want about the Lions. Like, there's still some players on that team. You know, obviously, Travis has been there. He's been an MOP. He's been a great cup champion. Um, you know, he threw for over 325 yards. Uh, you know, so no slouch there. Uh, you got, you know, Solomon Elamimian, huge goal line stop uh, for, for Sully, number 56. And um, Anthony Orange, who uh, came up with a huge pick late. I, I, I thought you nailed the head, you know, you hit it right on the head. Um, you know, that was a defensive win more than anything. And look, you know, the offense will get the credit for, for orchestrating the drive. But uh, Anthony Orange, huge pick. I'm sure Matt Nichols wants to have back a huge play by Solomon Elamimian, kind of the heart and soul of that Lions defense. You want you wanted to rename Anthony Orange? Tony Orange. Tony Orange. Yeah. 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 All I right. like Tony. I like Tony Orange. It does. Now the the one thing I will say for, when he makes a play, you know, when he Tony makes a play, Orange. when he makes I a play, like he's Tony be, Orange. Yeah. Tony Orange. That's Tony Orange. Now he sounds like a character from The Sopranos when you all of a sudden call him Tony Orange. Hey, go talk to Tony Orange. Hey, what are you talking about? Hey, you know, Tony Soprano, his right-hand man, Tony Orange. Oh, Tony Orange. Okay, talk to Tony Orange. Anyway, I digress. It's my own uh, sort of – Chris uh, Rainey, too, huge game, Chris Rainey. And when you're, when you're struggling the way the Lions struggle, I mean, I, you know, on both sides of the ball, really, for the most part, you need someone on special teams to pick you up, and, and Rainey did that. He had 200 and some all-purpose yards. So he had a couple uh, big plays – uh, which you know those yards, you know over over 200 yards were big yards in, in regards to the Lions getting things going, and then uh, like you said, the interceptions. Uh, but yeah, big, uh, hey, you know, yeah. Hey, can, let me ask you. Let, let me ask you this. You, you touched on something about Travis Lule as a leader, and you said you know everything you hear from him is genuine, and 
you know, in in that sort of realm, after the win in the BC locker room, the team, if you will, was going B A N A N A S. They're all chanting Lule, 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 like giving him a whole ton of love. And there's a genuine sense that these guys rally around a guy like Travis Lule. He has the room when he is the leader, when he is healthy. Why is that? Like, what is it about Travis that that people gravitate to? Because you've you've said this before a few times. We've had Travis on the show, and he's he's always really genuine and very thoughtful, very insightful, and 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 yeah. is quite intelligent talking t- talking. Uh, quite intelligently about the game. So what is it that stands out for, for you when it comes to Travis Lule? Tra- Travis is, uh, I, he's a good, he's a good teammate. He's, he's a guy, I think that uh, um, he's selfless and you know that um, you just said the word thoughtful. And I think that that can go in so many different ways, but I think when, as a leader, uh, Travis is mindful uh, thoughtful of everything that goes into being a good teammate and leading a team. And I think some guys naturally get that. Some guys are born with it. Some guys develop it over time and some guys never get it. And, uh, and that goes for, you know what, that goes for anything, Z-Ball. I mean, that can, you can apply that to, you know, to the workplace as well. I mean, if you're, you know, people who are mindful of, of you know, what's going on around, and it's not, it's not easy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's difficult. It's difficult. I, 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 uh, you know, myself, I'll kick myself in the butt sometimes when I look back at something and realize it or, or you want, you know, you consciously want to, you know, uh, do things. Travis uh, consciously want to be aware of things and it's not easy. Travis has that ability naturally to do, to do that. And it's just, uh, you know, from the, from the guy, you know, from the 50th guy on the roster to, you know, the starting tailback, I think Trav, that old treats everyone the same comment and Trav, it's, it's pretty genuine. But at the end of the day too, let's not, let's. The reality is they're down 17 nothing. They're, um, you know, if Winnipeg goes in, puts them away, it's game over, and this story is, is, is not a story. And uh, because Travis will be the first one to say it. I don't think Travis played a great game, especially in the first half. Travis, you know, missed some throws. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he looked a bit rusty. A couple, you know, one of them he let get away, and he said that in, in his interview with Farhan at halftime. He said, hey, wanna let, let it float. The one to burn him, it looked like he was open in the corner. So, I mean, Travis a great teammate, a great dude, and, and he's still got a lot of football left, but he missed some plays too that – and expectedly, he's been out for a year. He's – you know, it's uh, it's to be expected. But, uh, you know, the defense – and I, I – you know, I was – at halftime, I was talking about how this defense is the number ninth-ranked defense in, in the league, allowing 30 points a game. And, and uh, you know, Winnipeg pretty much had them on their heels. And then, you know, from you know, the third quarter, they shut them out. So – you know, kudos to those guys for picking up Travis and, and the rest of the team and, and uh, you know, for a team that, you know, a part of the team that's been a weakness, it was a strength in the second half of the game. So, you know, really the, the game ball, all the conversation will go to Travis, but uh, the game ball goes to, to those guys uh, for getting it done in the second half and allowing uh, the offense to stick around and find, you, you know, you let Travis stick around or the offense stick around, they're going to score eventually. And so, uh, you know, reality is, uh, the nuts and bolts of it is, is that defense is the one that won them that game in the second half. Yeah, I, I, I totally, I'm totally with you on that one. It's a, it's a win for the D, and you know the guys who made plays and they, and they came up, and there was a defensive unit that, you know, you had kind of touched on, right? This is a group that had been maligned over the last few weeks. They gave up what over 80 points in their last two contests, in in the last two games, in the games that they had lost to Edmonton and Winnipeg, respectively. And for them to come back with a much better effort and to kind of pitch a shutout in that second half. Uh, I want to get into from a Winnipeg standpoint here in a moment because, uh, boy, you touched on it and I'm totally with you. Like Winnipeg gave that game away, like gave it away. But first things first, Jonathan Jennings, what now for Double J? Because I look at Jonathan Jennings I thought it was a bit of a desperation move for the Lions to go to Travis Lule so quick. Uh, at this point of the season obviously the move worked didn't look like it initially in the first half but it worked for the Lions they they got the win you know Travis you know the numbers would tell you he had, he had a big night but what now for Jonathan Jennings because I can't see him winning the job back unless Travis Lule gets hurt um, but I also wonder if this ultimately spells the end 
for Jonathan Jennings, considering that this is Wally's last year in the CFL. Ed Hervey is now in charge in BC, and Jonathan Jennings is not Ed's guy. Um, He's a 25-year-old. He's 25 years old and had a bad season last year, and it looked like the confidence wasn't quite there completely where, you know, he had a clean sheet, an opening night, and then struggled in those next two weeks, uh, you know, had had a bad night uh, through some interceptions against Winnipeg and, and just didn't look comfortable. But um, whether it's a case of the team just not rallying around the guy or not, Jonathan Jennings is not the guy from 2016. I get that. I see that. But I just wonder now, like, that guy's confidence has already been shaken because pretty much the last two seasons he has lost his job to Travis Lule. Got it back last year because Travis got hurt, not because all of a sudden he got hot. And now here we are again in the same sort of in the same sort of element where he's struggling again. He's lost his starting job. I don't see him getting back. I just wonder if this might be the end of Jonathan Jennings in BC. Maybe not right away, but maybe at some point in time they're looking down the road and maybe saying, hey, maybe Ricky Lloyd's our guy. That's, uh, that's maybe a question that Ed Hervey or maybe only you could answer. I think he's still got football left in him, wherever wherever it is. Yeah, it just, you know, and, and maybe in, in maybe in hindsight, Chaz, I do wonder, did we overestimate the guy in the sense that, you know, he had a lot of success for jump balls in 2016, right? Throwing them up to Brian Burnham, throwing them up to Manny Arsenault, and he won those battles. He won those jump balls, or at least his receivers did. And he lost those battles last year. So I wonder if it's just simply a mark of correction where, okay, it, it ultimately lies somewhere in the middle for him. You know, throws throws a jump ball and, and go get it. And it's just a question of, you know, is he more of a 50-50 guy in terms of that touchdown-interception sort of ratio? Or can he be the guy to put a team on his shoulders and maybe go the distance? I thought he was that guy going into 2017. Well, you know, how about how about I can go this far? But the game film will tell me that that he's not that guy right now. Yeah, there you go. I I will say that I could go that far. He might not be. He's not that guy right now, and that's uh, it is what it's unfortunate. But he's not. He's not playing that way right now. And you know, I could all, you know, I can only say it so many times. I don't think that um, that's the end of Jonathan Jennings. But for right now, that's uh, they've moved on, and so we'll let that play out the way it does. Yeah, I mean, the reality is his teams need depth at quarterback, and you look around what's happening around the league. I don't think Jonathan Jennings going around going anywhere just yet, but um, you know, ultimately to win in this league right now, you need your depth. And look, almost almost every quarterback situation at the top of the food chain has had to deal with something, um, you know, at some point. And we're only what five weeks complete into the season right now. You know, going west to east. Travis Lule's in for for Jonathan Jennings. Bo Levi Mitchell got knocked out of the game last week. Seems to be okay, but couldn't finish the game last week in Ottawa. You know, Mike Riley has stayed intact. There's one. Zach Caleros, your starter in Saskatchewan to start the year, is out for six weeks. You know, Matt Nichols missed about a month of football from preseason to the start of the season. Ricky Ray's, you know, his career just might be over now after the injury he suffered against Calgary. You know, Jeremiah Masoli's still standing, where, but still a lot of people are going, hey, hey, get number two in. I want to see number two. And in Ottawa, you're, only, you're saying, only you're saying that, Z-Ball. I, you know what? Hey, listen, I oh, am no, zipped I was, I'm not trying to open up, that. open up that can of worms. Sorry, James. Yeah. I apologize. Strike that, I, I, strike no, no, that no. comment. I, but, but you know it's there. You know it lingers. Um, you, you got Trevor, you got Trevor Harris who got nicked up in, in Ottawa. And boy, oh boy, the way he's playing. We'll get into this in a moment, but... You wonder if something might be looming there, and then in Montreal, Drew Willie got knocked out of a out of a game as well. So, I mean, it's and we're like I said, I mean, we're not even what a third of the way through the season, and and this has been a major major issue for quarterback play all across the CFL. Uh, going to Winnipeg here for a moment. Uh, yeah. This is a game that you know here they are. They're five weeks into the season or five games into the year now, and they're two and three. This is a team that I think the two of us we love their depth. Uh, both agreed that this is a legitimate Grey Cup heavyweight. I get that Matt Nichols is still finding his sea legs after missing some time after suffering the injury in camp. But boy, it sure felt like he took a big step backwards in BC this past weekend compared to his return to the field. 
the three picks and they and like some and bad ones at that you know that's you know there's a, there's a there's a guy who has had a lot of success over the last couple of years but that one you can look i want to say he's the entire goat for winnipeg but three picks and some mean? real costly ones uh you know he's what, he's kind of wearing the horns this? on this one what do you take from this what does this what does this all mean mean to you when you look at it I think Matt Nichols still gives them their best chance to win right now. But if this trend continues for another week, I would think that, you know, do you start thinking about Strebler back in the fold? Because he wasn't terrible. Sorry, are you, are you, sorry I asked you what it means to you, and you said, I'm starting to think, do you think it's Strebler back in the fold? So you answered the question with a question. So what I said was if, if I see this trend for another week for Matt Nichols, I yeah. would consider going back to, I would, I would think about going back to Strebler. You're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. You must have, you must have fallen and bumped your little head. You don't think three picks like that was <laughs> that was, was Winni- that was Winnipeg. That was a Winnipeg. That was for the Winnipeg fans that uh, bumped your little head <laughs> comment. Um, no, not a junior chance. hockey. <laughs> junior hockey. There's no no no. I, that's that's not. This was a one off for Matt Nichols. He yes he he didn't play well. I'm sure he'll be the first one. He'll bounce back this week. His there's no uh, there's no Strebler conversation. Strebler I think was uh, I was impressed with what he did and his time in there. But I'm not even. I'm not even. I'm not even opening in the door for someone knocking, knocking, talking about a quarterback controversy in Winnipeg. I'm not. You not. You knock on the door. I'm not even answering. <laughs> uh, concern. Okay. So big deal or no big deal? A three pick performance like that. Big deal. No, it's a big deal because they lost a game that they should have won, and what's going to be a tight Western Division at the end of the season. So it's a big deal. But in regards to the future of my quarterback, if I'm a Winnipeg Blue Bomber, then not, not a concern at all. All right. All right. Okay, I just uh, I just think this is a team that's got great cup aspirations. Uh, you got to be better than that. And I get, hey, they're two and three. Is there time to recover? Yes, plenty of time to recover on the season. But you know, Nichols obviously didn't. Look I'll tell you right. where and, I would be concerned. Here's, a, here's with my another one. Here's another one in Winnipeg. Let me throw throw let me sure. throw another one. Andrew sure. Harris has been great so far to start the year. By the way, shout out to Andrew Harris. But uh, team lights, Bowman. team lights, skin. <laughs> what do you expect? Team lights. <laughs> Referring to Andrew Harris, yes, okay, yes, <laughs> okay. You can you can give that shout hashtag, out. I, I don't think, ha- I, I don't think I'm in a position to give that one. Hashtag Team Lightskin. Okay, uh, but yeah, right, um, but but a- Darius Bowman, uh, they brought in. They needed a big target for for Matt Nichols. Uh, I get that Nichols has kind of missed some time, but but you know what? Nine catches in the first five games of the season for a Darius Bowman. Um, this kind of hasn't found his stride yet, and. You wonder if it's a little more of that 2017 season that's carrying over for for Adarius. Um, I loved his energy when we talked to him here about a month ago, and really hope for good things this season for him. But it's uh, yeah, it's just not. Uh, don't you know? Fortunately, there. there's, not, force, there's another third of the season. There's another third of the season left. Fortunately, but you're right. He hasn't uh, either. He hasn't found his legs, the term you use, or they haven't found him open or they haven't found him at all so either either way it's been uh, you know it's been a, a tough season for a Darius so far but it's a long long season to go we'll see we'll see what happens and how that how that plays out but uh you know and definitely an important uh, stretch here for Darius and you know what there's I, I look at you know I was looking at Manny's stats and we talked about this the other day as well and we're talking you know Manny Arsenal is the number one receiver at least going into this week was I think he probably still is the number one receiver for the BC Lions statistically, and he ranks number 26 uh, when you look at receivers in the CFL right right now in production in, in yards 26th, and he's the number one receiver for the Lions. Now, you know we start to think about and have the conversation and about you know veterans now. We're looking at week five. I think the veteran uh, date is week nine, I believe, to have your contracts guaranteed, and that could be I could be off by. Might be week ten, but I believe it's week nine to Call have your Christmas in the CFL, right? That's right. So this is, you know, the, the reality is for some of the guys who are veterans who are making the bigger salaries, uh, you know, this the next few weeks is is an important time for these guys because, you know, if you're making you know the top top ten percent of your team uh, salaries and your production is low, uh, this is the time that they move on, especially guys who are getting close to thirty. So. This is, uh, you know, you don't, I don't think those guys are 
necessarily you know going to be uh, expendable at the at the cut date but it's trust me i've been there it's definitely in in their mind no one will ever talk about it but trust you me it is for everybody that's a vet player who is uh comes up on that guarantee date is what they call it and uh so if you're not having great production or you've been banged up a little bit you definitely want to get rolling here in the next you know three four weeks or you want to get rolling and assure yourself that you're going to be around when it counts at the end of the year and that goes for all any of the vets who who uh have started off slow Sounds like you're sending a message to everybody on that. I'm not one. sending a message at all. I'm saying I don't think this. I don't think these guys step are up, in that. Step up. I don't think they're. I don't think necessarily they're in that conversation. But uh, they, well, they could. They could be. I mean, any any anybody. Hey, anybody can get it. How about that? <laughs> money anybody talks. Can get it. Yeah, money talks, right? It's uh, and that's that's the business side is especially uh, kind of if you're if you're a player, it's kind of the crappy side of of football to to a degree where you don't have those sort of ironclad guarantee contracts like you see in Major League Baseball or the NBA or the National Hockey League for that matter. So, um, you know, it's it's been the gift that keeps on giving uh, in terms of topics, and that's the quarterback position so far in 2018. It's uh, for good, bad, and ugly, but uh, Trevor Harris, uh, these last two weeks, man, um, this, is, this, is, this is surprising because I, I just... I'm stunned to see this from Trevor Harris through the first few weeks where he's looked lost in these two games against Calgary. Now, I'll be the first one to say I am very, very impressed by the Stampeders that I clearly did not see what a lot of other people were raving about. You were one of those guys that saw it. You called it. They got rid of a lot of key veterans that I thought would be a concern. You know what? They got younger. They seem to be faster, and they are devastating defensively. Like they, they are ball hawks. They just—they have a nose for the ball, and they just offer nothing. At least you can ask the Ottawa Red Blacks uh, that because Ottawa's offense was anemic, and that is probably putting it kindly compared to what I saw last week. But Trevor Harris, the captain of the ship. I mean, this is a guy who's. Trying to inch into that discussion of getting in there with the Bows and the and the and the Rileys and and that sort of conversation, but he took a big big step back here these last two weeks, Chaz. No, I, I agree. I think there's uh, you know it's the first time that I I believe this is the first time we've talked about the uh, you know poss- the lack of the lack of uh, uh, you know success in the playoffs or, or or no wins in the playoffs and you know. Uh, that situation with Trevor, but this is the first time that that we now talk about, you know, is he our starter, uh, you know, post Henry Burris era, is he our starter? Because that's that's how bad it looked, and uh, I think you felt, you know, the post game presser, um, the post game presser, you heard with what Trevor said, and that's a, kind of surprised me as well, as his comments were, um, you know, I, I'll read you, I'll read you the the, the quote there, but it, it says. Um, where's the quote here? Uh, let me pull up that. Let me pull up this quote because I thought that it was. Uh, I don't. I don't want to misquote. I don't want to misquote Trevor here. But I'll pull it up. Yeah, but just like, but while but while you're digging that up, like you look you look at some of these numbers here in these last little uh, last few weeks, like you know he gets yanked against Calgary, um, passes for just 93 yards in the game uh, in Calgary, and and threw two picks along the way, and was probably even less effective than that in the return leg in the nation's capital. Like, they got booed off the field, and they were getting booed off the field in the first half. Like, essentially the end of the first quarter, fans were giving them giving them the gears. Like, they were getting the Bronx cheers early and often. So, um, pretty crazy. So, the quote here, I have it pulled up. The quote here is Trevor after the game and asked about uh, his performance, and he said, everybody needs to be better. I need to be better. The wide receivers need to be better. The old line needs to be better. The running backs need to be better. This is not a game you can point the finger at one guy, but if you need to, point it at me. That's that's uh, to, to me. I just you know if if you're I think Trevor's feeling the pressure of this situation. If you're if you're really pointing the finger at yourself in that situation, I don't think you uh, you know barely get the f out of self and then rattle off every other position on the field. Um, I think, you know, you stand up there and you say, hey, you know what? I got to be better. I didn't play good, play well tonight. Not good enough for us to win. I got to be better. 
and you leave it at that. Um, but to say, I got to be better, and then, you know, uh, you know, and then, you know, before you even get the R and better out, you're talking about the O-line's got to be better, the receiver's got to be better, you know, that to me kind of takes away the power of taking it, pointing it on yourself, and then to go on afterwards and say, uh, you know, you don't, you can't point the finger at anybody, but if you want to, point it at me. I, I as a leader, I didn't, I don't love that. Um, if I'm in the locker room, I don't love that. Uh, if you're going to say anything, if you want to blame it on, you know, take the blame and stand up, just take it and leave it at that. Everyone else that watches the game knows it's not all on you. Um, but to take the blame, uh, kind of, and then rattle off everyone else have to, to blame too. You're not really taking the blame, are you? I totally hear what you're saying. I, I totally get it. It's This is one of those things uh, that, you know, you got to accept this. And, you know, it comes with the money. It comes with the territory. And when you look when you look at, here's your guy that you're paying top dollar to be your franchise quarterback. And in two games against the Calgary Stampeders, kind of your measuring stick game, a team that you went to overtime with in the 2016 Grey Cup, and, you know, it was ultimately Henry Burris that, that came up with that. But it's, I just, I look at what I'm seeing from Trevor Harris, three interceptions and less than 230 yards passing in those two games combined against the Stamps, combined two games and three picks. That's not good enough. And if you want to be considered an elite quarterback, you got to be better and you got to own that because, and Hey, listen, in fairness to Trevor Harris, there were opportunities, you know, Deontay Spencer, we just had a conversation with on this show here in the last week or two. And you know what? Deontay Spencer claims to be, and he said it himself here on this show, he's the best playmaker in the CFL. Well, you know what? You you can't drop passes that are right into the numbers when you're wide open over the middle, like just trying to move those sticks, get some momentum. There were a lot of drops from guys. Willie Powell had some key drops. But Trevor Harris has got to be better. He's got to be better, and he has not looked comfortable in the last few weeks for the Ottawa Red Blacks. It's as simple as that. Uh, a couple quick hitters. Uh, I know that the defending Grey Cup champions are 1-3 and three right now, Chez. But you know what? And maybe I sound like I'm just waving the, the boatman flag because I was giving them so much love in the offseason. I'm not worried about them right now. You know what? They played well against Edmonton last week. Uh, I like where this team's going. I think they're still going to be in the discussion and when we get late into the season. So um, so I, I'm for not once, worried about where the ball is. Because that could have gone either way. Uh, for once, we agree. I, uh, I feel the same way. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not too concerned. James Wilder Jr. obviously got to get going. Uh, for whatever reason, he's, uh, yeah. he's, not, he's not having success uh, you know, on the pace he did last year, obviously. But uh, that's that's a good Edmonton team. But I think they gotta, you know, you gotta find ways. If you're the Argos against a battered Eskimos team defensively, uh, you gotta find a way to put up more than 20 points. And let's give let's give credit to that. All right, it's actually 15 points, 20 points one week and, and 15 the next week. So I mean, let's uh, let's give credit to the Eskimos and and that staff over there uh, with, with Benny, um, Benny and, and and Max and and B Miles and the guys over there. They're you know it's not easy as a defensive staff to you have as many they had six guys um, that are supposed to on defense that were um, supposed to be starters coming out of, of, of camp there and that that aren't starting from that backups and you know two of those guys are Canadians and trying to find a depth to, to back those guys up is not uh, you know all six guys not easy and you managed to hold Mark Tressman um, James Franklin, James Wilder Jr., S.J. Green offense to 20 points one week and 15 the next. That's uh, that's an impressive job by that defensive staff and that defensive group back there. And so uh, a lot of a you lot know of why you know why this guys. is happening. You know what I you know why I think the big reason for that is why there's no champagne on the shoulder this year. <laughs> champagne on the shoulders. Well, it's. <laughs> That's probably you're probably right, Sabalski. There's not there's not champagne on the Eskimo shoulders this year, and that's why they're coming to work with their hard hats on. And, and uh, no, that's that's a no one's talking about that because because uh, you know everyone's talking about what Calgary's done, and they they've been a, Im, impressive. Average, by the way, averaging under ten points a game right now. The Stamps defensively, that's uh, giving up ten points a game. That's uh, CFL in CFL words. That's uh, a CFL world that is insane in the membrane and. Uh, Credit to them, but also um, it's got to be noted. Um, injuries are a tough thing to deal with. A lot of people make excuses about injuries. 
uh, this staff and this group uh, led by J.C. Sheridan and Grimes and, and Amando Sewell, they, they've, uh, they've, answered the, they've answered the call. Impressive. Yeah. Calgary's average margin right now, they're, they're, they're scoring 30 points a game and they're giving up nine and a half. So they're basically winning on average by 20. <laughs> that's, that's that's pretty crazy. You're winning by almost three touchdowns a game right now. That's uh, shout out, shout out yeah. Josh Bell and sh- shout out yeah, shout out Corey Mace and shout out to to Clay Brooks. Those uh, impressive uh, impressive job by those guys for sure. Historic yeah. actually. They're on they're on pace for historic historic numbers. Yeah, let's see if uh, let's see if they can change uh, the the the, fin- the the final chapter this time around here. It's uh, still a lot of football to go, but they look really good, and they've uh, they've they've impressed me a lot, way more than I anticipated from what I was going to see from the Calgary Stampeders this year. Um, that'll put a bow on this week's episode. Actually, you know what? We are just warming up because we have a conversation for you guys that we have been waiting to have. Uh, with our guest coming up this week, Jerry Glanville from the Hamilton Tie Cats. This guy's got some stories. He's got some life experiences. He's got some high praises for some people that you won't believe the sort of praise he's got coming up. And uh, we'll get to the bottom of whether or not he's uh, he's still leaving tickets for Elvis Presley at Will Call in Hamilton as he used to do uh, when he was the head coach of the National Football League for both the Oilers and the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Is he still too legit to quit as well, Sanchez? I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yes, sir, indeed. Uh, Want to bring him out, bring him out, bring him out? Jerry Glanville from the Hamilton Ticats joins us next here on The Waggles. Joining us on the line, uh, first opportunity to speak to him on the waggle. And I know Davis and I, as soon as we saw this name joining the Canadian Football League, Chez, you and I were both like, man, we got to get this guy on the show because there are some stories to be told uh, from the Hamilton Ticats, Jerry Glanville. Jerry, welcome to the waggle, sir. And uh, how's Canada treating you? Fantastic. Uh, I tell everybody if it was any better be illegal, I'd have to go to jail. It's just... uh... Uh, having all kinds of fun. We got players that play hard. We got players that care. And, uh, we got a chance. We need a chance. We need a chance. You uh, were notorious for being a guy who used to leave a pair of tickets at Will Call back in the day for Elvis Presley. Do you still do that in Hamilton? No, I bring him to the game with me. He's coming. Uh, he rides with me. I actually sneak him in now. You're just sneaking him in? <laughs> I'm mean, sneaking a man. Nobody knows who he is because he's got a big box of those donuts. Uh, whoever they named the stadium after, he's got a box. Of, he got will a, eat a few donuts. He's got a box of Tim Hortons. So is, is, is he still uh, is yeah. he still battling the bulge then after all these years? No, he, he gave up. The fight is over. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry, you mentioned right away the the group you have and, and you're enjoying coaching this group. When I flick on the film, I'm seeing defensively hats to the football like I haven't seen for a while. Four, five, six hats to the football every time. Is there something you guys are doing in the film room? Maybe uh, you know, stick, stickers for the helmet or a uh, some sort of fine jar? How are you guys getting so many hats to the football? Well, see, just by that question, I can tell you, Blake, uh, because it's kind of funny. We had a bye week, and I went back to the United States, and every day somebody called me from the NFL or NCAA and said, do you have the best tackling team in football or what? <laughs> and uh, people that you know in the NFL immediately said, wow. Huh? And uh, we just, uh, we had drills, of course, like everybody, but the NFL is not tackling anymore. And the SEC, other than Alabama, is not tackling anymore. So it's kind of a shock when you see a team tackle like we do. And uh, full credit goes to players, uh, uh, we get a lot of people on the hat on the ball. We get a lot of hats there, and uh, we get that second, third guy coming full speed. And uh, I tell everybody, I don't make a tackle, uh, and I, you know, I, I don't knock a ball down. Uh, so it's really the players that are committed to doing what we're asking them to do. As a defensive guy, it's fun to watch, no doubt, Coach. Uh, historically, you know, your style as a coordinator, you've always been aggressive. Uh, do you find yourself uh, in the past game in, in a past happy league uh, 
Uh, do you find yourself having to uh, maybe tone it down a bit in the aggression in regards to kind of uh, sending guys down or robbing routes? Do you find yourself trying to tone it down, or you think, uh, how's that going? No, the thing that's different is the yard off for your blitzes. Uh, people that know me, I probably blitz a lot more every place I've been other than here. And I found that uh, some of the blitzes that are my favorite in the United States are all about uh, uh, instant attacking a gap or a helmet. And there's yard off has made me back away from because the line has time to sift it out. And uh, uh, I'm probably covering more and coming less because of that yard and because of that motion running full speed at me. Those are two things that if you're coming from the United States, if you don't change, you're not going to be successful. Uh, for instance, I would be, I'd fire a strong safety, and my inside linebacker would have two vertical, only on a vertical. If he would flat somebody else out there. But you can't take two vertical if he's already been running 10 yards full speed before you snap the football. Right. So right. you have to change... You have to change. Uh, so everybody, is this the same defense? I mean, it's the same defense, but you got to modify uh, the yard off, and you have to modify uh, the the waggle motion at you. And then what really changes you is uh, they can change the strength of the formation with more than one guy. You know, in the United States, you're going to send one guy over there, and and my Sam or whatever you call your strong safety. There is no problem. Well, now they're going to send two or three over there, and so you have to do your head count and, and uh, stay up with uh, uh, match up with who's moving over where. You, I mean, here you are, one of the great personalities on the sidelines when you were in the National Football League, Jerry. And I'm listening to you kind of break it down with Chez here just a moment ago, in terms of just getting into it. It, it sounds like you are still incredibly passionate about this. How did? How did this even come about? Like for you to kind of say, hey, man, you've got you look at the legacy, you look at your career, you look at your credentials and all of it. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, for after everything that you've done, all of a sudden at this stage of the game, like you're being recruited to come north of the border to Canada and now be uh, working as an assistant uh, in the Canadian Football League. Like how, how does that discussion, how does this even start? It really starts back when I became the head coach at Houston. I called the guy up and told him I wanted to have him run the offense. And he said, well, I can't go. I got a good job. And I said, uh, by the way, the airline tickets at the counter and I'll see your butt tomorrow. <laughs> and he showed up and then, uh, I've got a job in Atlanta and my friend was coaching the Detroit Lions. I said, by the way, the tickets at the county, better get your butt over here. And he showed up and then he became a head coach in Hawaii. And, uh, I just got back from Iraq. I was in uh, Baghdad, Iraq, and, and I got a call to be the coach at North Dakota. And my phone rang, and it was the same guy. I said, uh, we're scoring 70, but we're giving up 79. I said, well, I got this other job. He goes, well, uh, I'll tell you what somebody told me a couple of times. The ticket's at the counter. I'll see you tomorrow. And so I went out to Hawaii with that guy. Well... About five months ago, I got a call, and he says, your ticket's at the counter, and uh, you're paying back for a guy that came and did it for you is what you're doing. And and, and the rest, and, and so here this relationship is still going on all these years later with uh, with with June Jones after all this time, and, and you guys are still forever attached at the hip. I have to tell you, you know, when you were in Houston. Uh, but, but people ask you this. You, you'll love this. People say, hey, I'll show you guys. Well, we've been together since 77. I took them in the 77, uh, signed them out of Portland State. And we have never had a conversation about anything other than football. We've never gone out with each other to enjoy an evening. Really? I don't golf. He doesn't go with the blues. If people say, we are in the office. We have never spoke a word that it is not 100% football. So it's not what people say. These two guys are really close we are football attached, period. That is amazing. That was my next question. It was well, how does the friendship with football football connect? And you answered that question. That is, uh, there, there's absolutely uh, zero. 
I mean, if we could be at World War Three, neither one of us would know it, and neither <laughs> one of us would have thought about it. I mean, it's it just, it just who we are. We both work 17 hours a day, seven days a week, and, uh, uh, you know, when everybody else goes home, I'll walk in there and I'll say, put on those last four plates pick us by, uh, by 49. And he goes, okay. And he goes, well, let me show you this one. I go, okay. He goes, here's the deal. I goes, uh, we have to have those four blitz pickups the first quarter. And they will not want to come. And I walk out of the room. He'll come down to me. You know, last time we played this team, they had 21 yards at halftime passing. They had 30 in the third quarter. So Joe walks in my room with my staff and says, let's not overthink it. And I said, stop right there, coach. Look in this room. We can't overthink a glass of milk, let alone a game plan. <laughs> uh, I goes, I'm back to it's a Jerry Glanville defense. Uh, as the game's being played, there's three calls. And the calls are changed from quarters, go back, we'll go to Bula Bula, we'll come back to pro, we'll do this, we'll do that. And each time the team sits down, as you know, I sit down with them, and the plan changes. So it's it's a, it's a different way. And, and it's kind of funny, uh, the, the quarterback at uh, Calgary said, we just won the game, we have no idea what the hell they're doing. I don't think we'll ever know. <laughs> still, still trying your, to uh, your partner uh, in your, on your defensive staff, William Fields. Uh, the best. Good, good. Is he okay? You're taking care of him, Coach? Well, he's my, you know, I had two guys with me like that at different times. One, one guy's name was Saban, and, and uh, the other guy was Belichick. He reminds me of those two, but he's better than both. <laughs> I like it. Those are, uh, those wow. are kind words for young William Fields. That, uh, Chez, you didn't expect that one, did you? I, I did not. I was ready to, to rag on my, my old friend Willie. but I, Well, here, here's what I do. See, I'm, I'm not, this is my first go-round, so you love what I do. Uh we have, we have another young guy that played in the league named Butler. Did you know Craig Butler? Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. So I put Craig Butler and I put Fields in charge, and I'm not joking. They're in charge of all Canadian motion within my scheme, and I'm not making this up. And I said, they'll go, Coach, we would do it this way and this way. He goes, well, I'd like to do it this way. Well, if you do, you got this or this. Okay, we'll do it the Canadian way. So, uh the way we adjust here is not the way we would adjust if we went south of the border, but it's the only way we'd be successful here. So how is it, moving on, how, did, how is it that someone with your football experience is found the trust in, in those two young guys here to you know, work with you in figuring the new and the Canadian game out? When we started out, uh, I, I would not listen. When we started out, uh, in lots of conversations, lots of meetings before any player met us. And I saw the growth coming so fast. In five days, they were not the same coach that I had five days ago, either one of them. And it hasn't stopped since. It, it just it does not stop. Uh, they're my Saban, my Belichick. My, I got 17 guys that are coordinators in the National Football League that were with me like these two. And these two are as good as anybody I've had. Uh, kind words for, for and I don't, Willie Fields. I'm not flying you know, yep. I gave out an attaboy in the pet head about 12 years ago. I mean, I'm not walking around telling you everybody's lovely because they're not. No doubt. No doubt. The, res the respect is, is mutual, no doubt, Coach. What is and a rematch is, is what we have this week. It's just because you guys had a bye week, but uh, I don't know, a bye week. But uh, um, you know, Sasky playing Sasky, uh, playing Sasky here in a back-to-back -back kind of. Uh, what, what do you take? What do you take as a, in going into a back-to-back -back game? Well, I, we've had them. You know, June and I, we played Cleveland and Cleveland. We're both in the playoffs. Winner hosts the playoffs. Loser goes on the road. Last game of the year, we lose to Cleveland. We go back six days later in the playoffs and win. So uh, you take your players, and, and uh, I separate my scout report. You know the deal. I got every game they played on one scout report. And then I have the game they played against us separated. What is the difference? Well, in blue, what is blue? One Blue has a tight end in the thing. 
And blue in a tight end against us is nothing like blue is against everybody else. So you learn that they've got a way that they're going to work on you by personnel. So the personnel I separate from our game and from all other games, I separate it and then I compare it. And then I know what they're sitting in the room and they're backing up the projector. They're saying, we can't run out of red. There's nothing. We can't do anything out of 32. There's nothing. Uh, we got one chance that's to get in a 41 or get in a blue. Well, I know that now. So let's go. <laughs> I have to ask you, as we kind of wind this thing down here, um, and boy, I feel like there's there's a lot of stories to get into. But one thing that kind of stands out for me, Jerry, as, as, a, as a kid who kind of grew up around that time, you were on the sidelines in Atlanta and what a team of personalities with Dion and Andre Risen. But you also made an appearance in a uh, in a in a video that was pretty popular in its day. Too legit to quit. Yeah, you know, I was in a five videos, and that one the most popular. The most popular one was video of the year was uh, uh, she took it like a man. It was a country western song. I got beat up. I got hit over here with a beer bottle. I- I got clubbed with a baseball bat. People like that one more. They used to show that (laughs) in every stadium that we went in to play, they would show me getting beat up in that video. But Too Legit to Quit was was from uh, uh, MC Hammer. Of all things, now I work in the Hammer. uh, Hammer. (laughs) And the Hammer was a big part of our uh, our 91 uh, 91, uh, uh, Falcons, which is, by the way, been selected by the NFL as the most exciting team, if you can imagine, in the history of the league is that 91 Falcon team. And the league, the most exciting team, you know, we our shortest pass route we had was a 22-yard dig. So we went downtown, and people love that and remember that. What, uh, what was it like trying to manage those personalities? Because, uh, you know, a lot of talent on that team. But I, I'm, there were a lot of very unique personalities too that probably makes uh, makes it a lot of fun, but maybe challenging at times. What was that experience like with that with those Falcons teams? I've never I've been coaching since '64, and I've never had a problem with a player yet on anything. So uh, I didn't have one on that score. I won't have one here. Uh, this is who we are. This is what we do. And whoever you are, uh, let it come out game day. And, and if uh, the hair is not standing up on your arm when we walk down the tunnel. You shouldn't be here. Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking the time. I know uh, Dave, we only scratched the surface on this because, Davis, uh, we've been told that we've essentially we've got to have a deeper dive on a conversation with you, Coach Glanville, about the Blues at some point in time. Oh, it's all about the Blues. It's kind of funny you say that. Uh, I was calling a, uh, a game in New Orleans. The Saints were playing somebody, and that night I went to the house of blues and uh, with big head Todd and the monsters and saying boom 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 and I lost my voice I couldn't do the game <laughs> and it's worth it if blues are involved that's anything that's worth losing the game <laughs> well I get to steal a line from Adventures in Babysitting what some 30 years ago in the movie uh, nobody leaves here without singing the blues so uh, Coach, oh, thanks I for doing it. this. I really appreciate you taking the time with us, and hopefully we can do it again sometime and, down the road. And your your ex friend, be proud of him because uh, he's not normal. He's a little bit special. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Great <laughs> to hear, Coach. Great to hear, and I look forward to running into you this Thursday night at the at the donut box. I'll come over and introduce myself, and uh, you're awesome. So, Coach, appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks very much, Jerry Glanville, joining us this week here on the Wagon.